Hey, um, before we get started, we're going to dive into just a minute or two to talk about uh, the series that we're in the middle of right now uh, called Dash. Before we do that, though, just kind of talking together as family a little bit, catching everybody up to date uh, on what's going on uh, with the building. Met with the builder um, last Thursday who is saying to us right now that, that, in, that, that we're 11 weeks from moving in to the new building, which is cool. Very cool. We're ready for that. Um, any of you that have ever had a house built before know kind of what that means. And uh, uh, the truth is, guys, uh, we are praying our guts out that, that this is accurate. And here's, let me just give you a little bit of the opinion on their side. Uh, Easter is coming big time. And uh, we just did nine Christmas Eve services. We know Easter is going to be bigger than uh, Christmas Eve. We had 5,300 people on this campus. Uh, we packed the nine services that we did. I can't, I can't even fathom, can't even imagine trying to do 11 Easter services. I just, please, no. So you, you can be in prayer with me uh, that, uh, that they will get that building done in the next 11 weeks. We may be over there painting and throwing hammers around ourselves, but uh, the other part of that is, is that uh, if, if you've been around, uh, you've been noticing that uh, this campus continues, even as we've been building, to fill up. Uh, last Sunday, uh, 1030 service, uh, we, as best we can tell, turned 20 families away. We, we said, sorry, uh, the overflow room's not over there anymore. We're doing construction. You're either going to have to come back later, you're going to have to go, oh, I don't know, and we turn families away. That just seems weird for a church. And uh, we're doing that. Uh, the way attendance has been going, and we believe as we move into the new building, we're probably, we thought we were going to start with three. We think we're going to have to start with four services as we go into the new building. Um, and you need to hear me say that uh, all along we've been saying to the elders and the staff and all back and forth that the moment we go to four services, that's our cue that we need to expand again. So, whatever that means uh, in this grander theme of everything. But it's just crazy, wonderful, cool times that God is taking us through as a church. Um, here's the one thing I do want to ask you to pray about. As we get ready to go into that new building, we're 11 weeks away. Most everything's on track, except we're about that close financially. We're falling just a little bit short every single week on what our building need is and to do that. And you remember that building thing is the payment for the building for the next 12 months. That's what we're using for that. We're falling just about that much short. And we've also got a couple of things that were supposed to be in that building to help us do ministry. And we've had to back them out because we just haven't been receiving the funds that are necessary to do what we believe we need to do to open that building the right way. So I'm just asking, I'm just, would you pray? Would you pray about that? And if you're someone who hasn't had a chance to be part of it, would you ask God, hey, God, do I need? But would you just pray about that? If God would lay something on your heart, you can begin to either give, mark it to the building, or you can come see me. I can tell you some of the specific things that we're not doing in that building because we just haven't had the funding. God may lay it on your heart to do that thing for us. So just want you to be aware, not beating anybody. Would you pray about that? We're 11 weeks away from opening up that new building. I'd like to be able to do that, paying our bills, and with the things we need to do ministry together there. Okay? 11 weeks. Okay. Um, Dash. Uh, we're in the middle of a series, kind of a strange name for a series. And really, this series is, is really all about knowing God's will. And where we took the idea of Dash from uh, was the idea of, we've all seen tombstones. And, and you see that moment where you see someone's birth date and you see someone's death date. And in between, you mark the entirety of their life by a 
dash. And, and we said, you know, that, that's kind of a remarkable thing that that little dash on a tombstone represents my life. And, and, and we did that in the context of saying, and, and what if, what if I lived my dash? I lived my entire life and never knew what God's will for me was. In other words, I, I lived my entire life. I just kind of navigated as best I could. I said, you know, I, I'm not sure what God wanted. I'm not sure why God created me. I don't know what I was put on this earth to do. I simply kind of played the cards as they were dealt as best I possibly could. Would I get to my deathbed, look back on a life like that and say, wow, I wonder how different my life would have been. I wonder how different my dash would have been if I had actually known God's will for me. I wonder if my dash would have been different. So we just said, what would it do? What would it take for you and I to make ourselves available to God and say, God, look, look, as I live out my dash, as I play the dash game, I want, I want to know why I'm here, why you created me. What was my dash supposed to be about? If you were here last week, you remember we talked about the idea that what happens so often in our lives is, is that we begin to kind of plan out our dash. We begin to come up with ideas of, of what God's will ought to be. And, and so what happens is, is we look and we say, look, here, here, you know, here, here's the thing, God. I, I'm not sure what your will is. I don't know exactly what you want, but, but I, I can tell you what I'm pretty sure I want. And, and I just want some amazing spouse that will love me and think I'm always right in everything that I do. And, you know, I... If you could just give me someone like that, that would be, you know, totally cool. And, you know, uh, God, if you could just give me, um, you know, six-figure salary so that I could live my life in comfortableness and, and never really have to wonder about how I'm paying my bills or never struggle with anything, you know, that, that would be a pretty cool plan, God, and I, I, I could live with that. And, you know, I'm thinking if you would give me some remarkable children that uh, think I'm the best parent in the world and never question my authority... You know, that would be a, that'd be a plan, God. And, you know, so what we do is, is we begin to spell out for God what his will ought to be, right? We begin to say, God, look, look, I'm not sure what your will is, but I can tell you what it should be for me because I've got this remarkable plan all figured out for me. And if you would simply do what I've already decided you ought to do with my life, we could be okay. And remember, we talked last week and said, you know what the truth is? That the moment you and I as believers do that, the moment we begin to tell God what his will for us ought to be, we will spend a lifetime struggling with God, fighting God. Because here's what's going to happen. All of a sudden, one day, you're going to be sick. And you're going to go, this cannot be the will of God. No, 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 no. I planned it out. I'm healthy until I'm 90, and then I die in my sleep. That's the plan. That's the plan. And I'm sick. It, this can't be the will of God. And so what do we do? We get angry at God and we rail against God. You ready for this? And we pray against God because he's not following our plan for us. And, and then maybe we get laid off from the job or maybe we have a child who rebels or maybe our spouses and everything we hope. And, and we go, God, somehow I'm out of your will. Somehow the world has gone around. Somehow. And God, if you would just come take a look at my plan, you could fix it for me. And what we discovered last week, what we said to each other last week is, you will spend a lifetime fighting God to do your plan. And that really the answer is, is to go back and say, God, I get it. 
I get it. This isn't about you doing for me what I'm telling you you need to do for me. This is about me asking you, what do you want me to do for you? Because the reality is my dash isn't all about me. My dash is about God. And that what really ends up is that you and I have to go back to all the things we've told God that he needs to do for us or we're not going to be happy with him and we're going to be angry with him and he's going to let us down and pick them back up and say, you know, God, here's the answer at the end of the day. I would love these things. See, I'd, I'd love that new car and I'd love the job and I'd love the remarkable spell. I'd love all those things. But I'm more interested in your will than my will for me. So, so we're going to simply, God, put these back and we're going to let you distribute them. We're, we're going to let you plan where my life ought to go. Because God, in the end, it's about you and it's not about me. And we said that as you and I go to try to find God's will until we can make that initial decision, I will never, never know the will of God in my life. Today we want to talk about the next step. How do I now begin once I've done this, once I've said to God, God, I give you permission. I'm going to let you. It's about you. It's not about me. How do I now begin to take that next step? And we're going to talk today about the common will of God. And when I say common, I'm not talking about common in the sense of ordinary or plain. I'm talking about common in the sense that it is the same for all of us. In other words, there are certain things that God just says, look, this is my will and this is my will for everybody. It's not negotiable. You don't need to try and figure it out. This is the thing that I call everybody to because stop and think about this. At the end of the day, if I'm not willing to follow the common will of God, the thing that God has already said, this is what I know. I want every person to do this. I want every person to behave. This is how I want every person to treat other people. If I'm not willing to do that, if I decide to rebel and throw in, I say, God, God, no, no, no. I know what you said, but I don't care. Or I know what you said, and I don't want to. And I, I, I know what you've asked, and I refuse. If I won't obey the common will of God, why would God ever show me his special will for me? So, here's what you need to know about the common will of God. The first thing is this. The common will of God is the same for everybody. In other words, God doesn't you know, change this part of it for different people. So he doesn't say to Fred, hey, Fred, look, look, look. Fred, don't beat your wife. But Phil, go ahead. Go ahead. I've seen your wife. Go ahead. No, no, no. no. Common will of God. Same for all of us. Okay? So that second, piece, second piece of it is, is that you don't need to pray about the common will of God. You don't. You don't. It's the common will. It's the same for all of us. He's already said it. It is what it is. It doesn't change by circumstance, so you don't need to pray. So you, you never have to have a moment in your life to go, so look, look. Hey, God, you know, you've seen my neighbor is a jerk. He is a jerk. And I was just thinking, I'm, 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 I'm heading over there to go cuss him out. Just wondering what you thought about that. Yeah. You don't have to pray about the common will of God. You don't. You don't. You don't. You don't, don't even have to pray. And then, and then here's the last thing. The common will of God does not have yeah buts. It just doesn't. See, that's, that's what we do, right? We go, we go, God, 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 God. I know what you said. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I was in church last Sunday. I know. But I'm the exception. See, see, here's the thing. I, I'm going to move in with my girlfriend. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But it makes financial sense. 
Really? That's why you're moving in with your girlfriend? Because it makes financial sense? Really? And even if, that, even if that were true, guess what? No yeah buts in the will of God. Okay? No yeah buts in the will of God. So some of you guys are going, well, well, well where, how do you get the will of God? How do you know the common will of God? Where, where does that information come from? Right there. The Bible. I know you're thinking of going, oh, golly. See, here's the thing, Lynn. I tried reading that once. <laughs> and it's hard. I mean, it's, it's full of us. Have you noticed that? It's full of us, you know. And Godeth, setteth, to Moseseth, you know, goeth, getteth, my peopleeth, and taketh them, meth. It is, it is so hard to read, and it's so hard to navigate, and then to try to understand it. And I mean, really? And here's the end of me saying, I know. You're right. You're right. You're right. It's hard to understand sometimes. It is. All I'm here today saying, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth whatever effort it takes to figure out what God is saying. That these are the things you need to know. These are the things that all of us need to know in order to figure out the will of God. It's worth the us. It's worth whatever it takes to get there. Because here's the deal. If at the end of the day and after you spend your 10 minutes reading your Bible, even if, even if you only get one thing, even if only one little nugget falls out, it's worth it. It's worth it. So here's what I'm going to do. I want us to spend the next few minutes. I get that you don't, you're not there. I, I get, could we just talk about why this is so critical and why it's worth the chase? And here's the deal. God knew he made it a little hard. Did you know that? God knew when he wrote scripture that it didn't just all lay out for you and I. God did that on purpose. And we'll talk some other Sunday about that a little bit. But he did that on purpose because here's the thing. God enjoys the chase. And God wanted you and I to have to seek him and chase him. Women, does that make any sense? Okay. Court him. Okay. And God knew that there's something very special about the chase. So God didn't lay it up. And he says, come on, come chase me in my word. So I just want to, for the next few minutes, can we just talk about why it would be worth the 10 minutes of my time to get in here and figure out what God's common will is for all of our lives? Grab your Bibles. Go with me, if you will. 2 Timothy chapter 3. See if we can change our hearts, change our minds about this deal. See, see if we can dust off the covers of our Bibles and say, maybe it's worth the effort. 2 Timothy, if you're not real familiar, go to the back of your Bible. Start working to the left. If you get to 3 Timothy, you got the wrong Bible. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Some of you are going to be really familiar with this passage of Scripture. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16. Here's what it says. All Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed. Isn't that an interesting phrase? And it's simply saying this, that as men wrote and penned the Bible, God was so careful to make sure that they wrote what you and I need to hear, that it was as if they felt the breath of God on their necks as He spoke to their hearts what they needed to write. It's God 
breathed. And you want to hear something that's even more remarkable, more cool? That when you and I get serious about the Word of God, there'll be moments you and I will go, man, I just felt the breath of God. I just had God speak into my life. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for, you ready? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What does that mean? Every equipped for, it's saying, let's look, look, if you want to figure out what God intended for your life, you want to figure out what God wants you to do in your life, you want to figure out all the things that God has planned, every good work, guess where you're going to get that? The word of God. That's where you're going to find it. That's what's going to send you on your journey. So let's go back because there's four benefits, four benefits to getting into scripture right here that it says, see if these don't make a difference in your heart. Let's go back. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. Teaching. If I were going to try to demonstrate, I'd just say, look, here's God's will. This, this is what God wants me to do. This is, this is where He wants me to go, behave, and live. It's the path. And Scripture is all about teaching you and me the path that we ought to be on. Now, guys, this is critical because here's why. Every one of us, when you and I came to Jesus, you realize we came not knowing the path. The reality is, we came with a bunch of junk in our lives. See, we used to live the way that everybody who doesn't know God lives. We used to think the way that people who don't know God think. We used to behave the way that people who don't know God behave. We used to process relationships and friendships the way that people who don't know God process friendships and relationships. And when you and I come to Jesus, guess what we bring with us? All that cruddy thinking. All the old ways of behaving. All the worldly ways of doing light. We bring to the kingdom. And God says, look, 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 here's the thing. You bring all that crud with you, you're going to be a miserable Christian. You're going to go, why doesn't this work? And how come my life isn't any different? I thought when I bought... No, no, no. You brought the crud. You brought the old way of thinking with you. And you will always be sickly, weak, discouraged as a Christian as long as you have the crud. See if I can help. Years ago, I'm on a missions trip. Took a bunch of high school kids uh, to the, uh, out, you know, in the missions field. And, and part of the week was we were going to, like, do some building projects. We were working on the church that was there. We were helping some people uh, with their houses. And then we were doing vacation Bible school every day for the children. And one day, as we're going around... Uh, picking up kids to go to vacation Bible school. One of the families comes out of their house, absolute poverty, guys. I mean, absolute poverty comes out of their house and says, you know, we're so thankful for what you're doing. Um, we want to make you lunch. Now, can I just be honest? <laughs> My first thought of maybe not, you know, just maybe not. See, I, you know, I've gone by your house every day and Maybe not. And then I'm thinking to myself, how do you say no? I mean, how do you turn this down? Because then they're going to think, uppity Americans, you're too good to eat my food. And so I thought, sure, sure, we'll be back for lunch. You know, I pointed to the people, you're coming with me. I ain't doing this by myself. We went to vacation Bible school, brought the kids back, sat down, and they started to make us lunch. And sure enough, Sure enough, you looked over at the pots and the pans that they were getting ready to cook in, and they were covered in crud. I mean, stuff. And I'm not talking about we cooked breakfast in this pot and it's still their stuff. I'm talking about we wash our pans once a week whether they need it or not stuff. 
You're like, And, and sure enough, they took the fresh beans and they flopped them in there with all the crusty beans and got done warming them up and they brought them over to our plate and they put them in the bowl. And I mean, you could look right there and you're going, whoa, Nelly, I, I, can, see the, I can see the new beans and I can see the crusty beans. And I'm pretty sure somewhere in there, there's some mixed beans. And so you're, you're going... I sat in the moment and said, I, your kids, I, I guarantee you, your kids are getting sick every year. Going, I wonder why my kids are getting sick. Because you got crust. Hey guys, you and I come to Jesus and guess what we bring? Crusty beans. Crusty beans. See, all the old ways of thinking, all the old ways of doing. And then we go, I wonder why my Christian life is sickly. I wonder why this isn't everything. Crusty beans. Old ways of doing it, old lifestyles, old thoughts. And all Scripture is saying here is, look, 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 look. Scripture is going to teach you and I. It's as if Scripture is going to take and wash the pots. Matter of fact, Scripture even says this, the washing of the Word. And the washing away of all those old ways of thinking, all those old ways of processing information, all those old habits, washing of the Word. Guys, I'm just going to tell you, you want that. Or you'll spend a lifetime in your Christian walk going, I wonder why it just isn't what I thought it was. Crusty beans. Teaching of the Word. Second thing that it says, and not only does the Bible teach and renew my mind, but secondly, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking. How many are going, oh man, that's so neat. Rebuking. Just what I wanted in my life, a little more rebuke, as if my spouse didn't do enough of that. Any of us that have teenage children? Rebuking. But you know what the answer at the end of the day is? Sometimes rebuking is exactly what my heart needs. See, here, here, back to the path. Here's the path. Here's where God wants me to go. And every once in a while, there's going to come the moment, come on, it does, right? Where I say to God, God, I know the path. I know what you want me to do next, but I'm thinking that's hard. I'm thinking that's embarrassing. I'm thinking my friends won't understand, and I'm thinking that's a lot of work. And what do we do? We go, you know what? I think I'll just do the shortcut. I think I'll just, you know. And the Bible promises you, ready for this? That in that moment, that the Word of God, that Scripture will speak to my heart, will re. Rebuke me in that moment. Ever had a friend do that for you? Ever had a friend in a moment in which you're getting ready to do something really dumb, really stupid in your life, something that's going to cause a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of ramification, and that friend steps up and says, no, 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 don't, don't do it. Don't do it, don't do it, don't. I know, I know what you're thinking, I know what your heart is saying, but I'm just telling you, don't do it. You'll regret it if you do. Ever had a friend save you like that? And Scripture is saying, look, look, when you get ready, when you get ready to do this, Scripture comes in that moment and says, don't, 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 don't you dare. When you're all ticked off at someone and you're ready to go tell them what you think and ready to give them a piece of your mind, the Scripture goes, no, 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 no. Let every bit of conversation be in love and gentleness. And you go, 
says, if you go there and if you do that, you're going to regret. It's an incredibly wonderful moment in Scripture. But more than that, you and I have all had the moments that we went right past that and we, we did it anyways. And we did exactly the thing we shouldn't have done. And then Scripture comes and rebukes us, wounds our heart. See, it's as if, you ready for this? It's as if the Holy Spirit uses the words of the Bible to cut us with conviction. And, and to say, hey, you know that was wrong, right? No, no, I know, I know. I know they deserved it. <laughs> and, 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 and I know that they did it first. I know, I know, I know. But you know that was wrong. And the Word of God becomes like a knife in the hands of the Holy Spirit to slice our hearts with conviction. And then you and I have got to choose. What, what am I going to do with that moment? In the physical realm, when you and I get a slice, you leave that slice unattended, und- you just going to let it go, see what happens. More often than not, here's what your my body does, scar tissue. Because our body says, I don't ever want to feel that pain again. Scar tissue. Guess what our spiritual hearts do when the word of God slices us in rebuke and we say, no, no, no. I kind of enjoyed that sin. It was great putting them in their place. It was great getting even with that person. It was so neat getting the promotion on the necks of those. It was great. And we say, no, no, no. Scar tissue. Scar tissue. And if you're not careful, you'll begin to not be able to hear the rebuke of God. Scar tissue. Scott, one of the incredible blessings of Scripture is rebuke. It's the moment it says, hey, no, 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 you're off path. You're blowing it. You want the rebuke of the Word of God. Third benefit. All Scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting. For correcting. What's basically saying is this. Here's, here's the path of God's will. It taught me what I was supposed to do. But there was the moment I said, no, 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 no. Don't like what I'm supposed to do. Too uncomfortable to do it. I got off path. Scripture began to rebuke me. And now I find myself in this moment. I'm going, you're right, God. You're right. I see it in Scripture. I blew it. Now what? Because here's the answer. I made a mess. Now what? You ever had someone give you advice or tell you you were wrong and didn't give you any useful information on how to fix it? Don't you love that? And yet Scripture says, no, no, no. The Word of God is there for correcting. For going back to moments in our life when I say, look, I, I get it. I get it. I blew the marriage up. I caused my kids to be... I, I get it. I get it. I took my testimony and I flushed. I get it. I get it. Now what? How do you get a replay? Ever wished for a replay? Ever said, look, I, how, do, how do I get back to where I need to be? I'm in Bible college and I'm playing a little bit of baseball doesn't matter a whole lot because it was a teeny little college and kind of lousy baseball, but we got a uniform out of the deal. So it was kind of cool. And uh, we're playing baseball and 
we go through the season. We, we were beat up most of the season. Our coach had this idea that any open games we had, he should schedule with really, really big universities so we'd learn how to play like the big guys. And so, of course, they came in and just pounded our faces in the ground. And uh, we finished the year. I, I, I don't even, it was a bad record. But when we got to the end of the year, we still, we, somehow we had, we had eked out enough wins that we got invited to the post-year tournament. And what you had to do when you got to the post-year tournament, you, you had to win four games. It was a, remember, had to win four games. So we, we get to the first game, and, and we, here's what we say to ourselves before we start. We go, look, guys, years stunk. <laughs> but if we could just win this tournament, it would be like redeeming the whole year. I mean, we, we could walk back on campus with our heads up. It, it, would, it would save the moment. Okay, It's kind of like ASU beating U of A. It would save the moment. Okay. So we get to the first game and, 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 and we win the first game. And, 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 and so we're all hyped up. We're all going. And, and, and now it comes the second game. And the second game we draw in the cycle the hardest team in the tournament. So here's what we know going into the second game. If we can win this game, it's downhill from here. Chances are you get, we get past this game, we, we, can, we can take the tournament. You ready for this? We are winning in the ninth inning, one to zero, two outs, and I'm playing shortstop. Guy gets up to bat, hits the ball. It comes in slow motion. Now, someone had forgotten to cut the grass on the infield. It was too long. I'm telling you. So, so now the ball's coming even slower. I charge the ball. I charge the ball. Two outs. Ninth inning. We're going to win the game. I reach down for the ball. And as I reach down into the grass that someone forgot to cut, I reach down. And guess what I get in my hands? A glove full of... Of grass, and I and I come back up, and I I, I I reach in my and realize the ball is still on the ground, and 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 I go back down, and I pick it up, and I throw the ball as fast as I can. The the ref make a horrible call. <laughs> there were men on base, and a man scored, tied the game. The pitcher walked. The next guy, we're out of the tournament. Now I'm riding in the team van back from Houston to Dallas. You know what my heart longed for? One more chance to pick up that ball. You ever done that? Ever look back at a failed marriage, a friendship gone south, a job that you blew, a lie that you told and just said, if I, if I could just have one more chance... To pick up the ball. Can we hear the wonder of Scripture? The Scripture comes and says, I can tell you how to get from there to where you need to be. Because I know how to correct. Had a guy come to me a while back after one of the services. He says, Lynn, I, I'm, in, I'm in trouble. He says, the police came knocking on my door the other day. 
and they're telling me that they're going to arrest me and take me to jail, I, I stole something seven years ago. And they're just now figuring out it was me and they're coming to get me. And he's still in the, the crazy part is, I've become a Christian and, and I'm married. I'm not even the same guy that I was seven years. I mean, Lynn, I, why now? And, and I've gone and I've gotten a lawyer and the lawyer says, look, here's what you need to do. You've got to plead innocent. Even though you know you've done it, you've got you to you say, no, I'm not guilty. Because then you've got to force the district attorney to do some sort of a plea bargain. That's how the system works. You walk in and say, you're good, you're cooked. And he says, well, I, I don't know what to do because I read scripture and scripture says, tell the truth. Can I just be honest with you? There, there was a moment as he's telling me his story, I'm going, dude, that is so unfair. I mean, at least you're honest enough to admit that, you know, and, but you found Jesus since then and you're married and... And if that's the way our crazy criminal system works, and that's how you got to... You know what got us back on track? Word of God. Because the Word of God says, in everything, speak honestly. And so I had to look at him and say, Here, here's the deal. I think you need to tell the truth. I think you need, I'm guilty. But I think you need to speak the whole truth. I think you need to go back and say, I'm guilty. I did that seven years ago, but I'm not the same man anymore because Jesus Christ has totally changed my life. And I know that may not mean anything to you because you may not have had that same experience, but I'm just telling you that coming to know Jesus Christ has changed me and I'm not the same guy, but I'm guilty and I'll do whatever you ask me to do. What if you just said that? And what if you trusted the God who said, just speak the truth and trust that he knows how to correct the situation without you trying to fix it by playing the game. Came to me a couple of weeks later, grinned from ear to ear. He says, Lynn, you, you'll never guess what happened. He says, I went into the judge and I, I guess I said to the judge, I'm guilty, but I'm not the same man who did that. Because Jesus Christ has forever changed me. And so I will simply do whatever you tell me to do. The judge said this. I want you to repay what you stole. I'm going to put you on probation. Isn't that a great answer? Isn't that a great... No manipulating, no playing games. Isn't that exactly what we would have said should happen? Repay what you've done. Don't do it again. See, the Word of God knows how to correct and you and I who've made a mess need to give God that chance. Fourth benefit, real quick. All Scripture is God-breathed, is used for teaching, for, rebu for rebuking, for correcting, and last of all, training in righteousness. Here, here's what I'll say. It's saying, look, look, the Word of God is there to teach me how to do better next time. Training in righteousness. So here's the deal. Here's the will of God. Scripture is going to tell me, this is what you ought to do. I'm going to have moments. I'm going to get off track. I'm going to say, God, no, that's too inconvenient, too hard. The Word of God is going to rebuke me. When I listen, it's then going to say, here's how to get back in the will of God. Here's how to correct that situation. Be ready for this. Here's the cool part. And then it's going to train me, not only how never to do that again, but it's going to train me on how to get my Christian life 
to stop being just a walk and to break into a run. It's going to train me, coach me to be better than I was before. How many of you guys saw the movie Invincible? That's good, good. About four of us. So this is going to touch your hearts. You're going to understand exactly what... That's great. I love it when I pick a good illustration. Yeah. All right, let me, let me try to rescue this for a second. Invincible. Uh, it's a movie about a guy by the name of Vince. Invincible. Vince Papel. Papelli. Uh, he, uh, is, he's, a, he's a school teacher who's out of work. He's bartending in Philadelphia in 1976. In 1976, Dick Vermeil becomes the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, who were miserable. They were pitiful as a football team. And to kind of shake things up, Dick Vermeil says on his, one of his press conferences, look, we stink. We're the worst team in the NFL, basically. Anybody coming and playing for this team would be better than what we're doing right now. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to hold open tryouts. If you can walk, come try out for the Philadelphia Eagles. And Dick Vermeil holds open tryouts, 1976. Well, Vince's friends convince him, Vince, you need to go. And so he shows up at the stadium, thousands of other guys, tries out for the Philadelphia Eagles. Out of all the guys you try out, they pick one guy, Vince Papelli. And so now he's trying to make the team. He's going to practices every day. And he is getting the behoobers beat out of him. I mean, these big old guys are crunching him most of the time on his back. It's a bad moment. One day he's in the locker room. And a guy in the locker room looks at him and says, you need some help? (laughs) Yeah. And here's what the guy says to him. Watch the knuckles. He says, what? He says, no, no, no. When you're out there at blocking practice and those guys go down in their stance, watch their knuckles. He says, if their knuckles turn white, they're leaning forward, which means they're coming after you, buddy. Here's what you do. When they say hike, you step to the side, throw the guy to the ground. So as you look at their knuckles and those knuckles are red, it means they're getting ready to step back. Nail them. Watch the knuckles. Next day, Vince Papelli goes to practice knocks the hoobers out of those guys. Every single one of them. What was it? Watch the knuckles. You know what scripture is saying when it says here that God comes back and trains us how to live our Christian life? He tells us how to watch the knuckles. He tells us those pieces of life that we don't get, that we don't understand, that if we just understood how important it was to see that, understand that, live that right, take our Christian walk from a walk to a run. The Word of God is valuable for training. Here's my question. How does the Word of God teach me, rebuke me, correct me, and train me if I don't know it? Isn't that a great question? And you just need to hear me say this. I'm a pastor. If you come to church and all you get is what you and I talk about on Sundays, you don't have enough. You don't have enough. And you and I have got to be willing to say, I, I'll invest in you know, Here's the truth. How, how many have done this? Hey, honey, where's my Bible? I don't know. When's the last time you saw it? I think Sunday on the way home from church. Well, did you leave it in the car? Maybe that's what's been under my feet all week. How are you and I going to do the will of God if we don't know it? So here's what I'm just going to ask you. Would you... Could you? Ten minutes. Ten minutes every day. One chapter. 
one chapter every day. And I get it, I get it, I get it. You're going to read that whole chapter and you may only get one thing. But isn't that one thing worth it? And, and could we, could we, could we as a church, could we, as the 9 o'clock service, just say, you know what? Knowing God's will is worth 10 minutes of my day. And so here's what I'll do. For the next 30 days, 30 days, what's the date today? 14th. Okay, so January 14th till Valentine's Day. Okay, you buy her the box of chocolates, you can stop. Okay? For 30 days, for 30 days, what if you and I dedicated 10 minutes to God and said, you know what? God, I want to know your will. So I'll give you 10 minutes to speak to me and change me. Rebuke me, correct me, train me, teach me. And, and what if you and I just said, okay, well, I'll read one chapter of the book of Proverbs. It's an easy book. It's got all sorts of cool information in it. Matter of fact, there's 31 chapters, so it's like a month. What if you and I, for 30 days, just said, okay, one chapter a day. Let's see what God can do in my life in 10 minutes with this. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we just say, hey, we get it, we get it. This stuff is huge. It's important. And we will never know your will for us if we're not willing to do your common. Your everybody will for us. And God, I, I'm just going to ask that you would so touch our hearts this morning that an entire church, that, that, that all 3,400 of us would say, I got 10 minutes for God. I've got 10 minutes that I'll give to try to figure out as well. I'll read a chapter and just say, God, speak to me. Teach me, rebuke me, correct me, train me. Because I took this time for you. This we say in Jesus' name. Amen.